So I cannot believe it is already Thanksgiving week. I feel like the older I get, the faster time goes, especially when, I, when you have kids. It's like they're already growing so fast. I'm like our little, little girl, I remember holding her as a baby, and you know she's almost four, so wow, crazy. Um, but who's ready for Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah sort of. <laughs> I, I love Thanksgiving, and it's not even about the turkey for me. For me, it's like all of the sides, right? I love like the, gra- well, yeah, gravy. I could just drink gravy. It's terrible, but I love gravy. I was more, I was, I'm a southern boy, so um, a little bit. No, but, um, you know, mashed potatoes, all, all the sides. But anyway, so this is like a time, and I think it was good talking about, you know, Pastor Scott asked, what, what, do, you, what are you thankful for? And I was going back and forth deciding, you know, um, should I talk about thankfulness? Because that's, kind of, that's really what God has been putting on my heart and challenging me with. And, you know, I was deciding, oh, is grad- talking about gratitude, like Thanksgiving week, is that cliche? Or is it important? But I think just like we talk about Jesus' death on Easter or we talk about, you know, his birth on Christmas, I think Thanksgiving is a great time to talk about gratitude. So... There once was a little old lady that sold pretzels on a street corner for 50 cents each. And every day, um, there was a a young lawyer. He would exit his office building at lunch, and as he would pass by her pretzel stand, he would leave her two quarters on it, uh, but he never would take a pretzel, right? So he would, every day, he'd come out two quarters and then just leave. Um, And this went on for several years. Even though they never spoke every day that he'd leave the quarters, Uh, They'd make eye contact, and she would nod in gratitude as he walked away without a pretzel. And finally, one day, um, as the lawyer's passing by, uh, he he leaves his two quarters, and the woman's like, I got to say something to him. So she finally speaks up, and she's like, sir, I I appreciate your business. You are my best customer. You're my most loyal customer, but I want to tell you something. Pretzels are now 75 cents, so, (laughs) you know, I would say that, that... kind of talks about one of the most prevalent sins, oh, practicing gratitude. One of the most prevalent sins in the world today is this sin of ingratitude, right? And, and I feel like it's just as prevalent inside the church as it is outside the church. We, we find it a lot easier to focus on all the things that are going wrong, all the troubles that we have, and, and we ignore everything else that isn't going wrong, right? God has done so much for us, and, and our debt to him, I think, is really enormous, but we infrequently, uh, or, or, or never, or infrequently at least, uh, offer thanks over all that he's done for us. And in fact, most professing Christians don't even say thanks over their meal, let alone everything that God has done for them. This is one of the things that my wife and I, Stephanie, we're, we're constantly um, working on with our little kids, is this right here, gratitude. Right, because we want them to be grateful for what they got, for what they get, and not just to to uh, be grateful, but also to express it, to say it out loud. Because I think there's power in saying thank you, right? It, it means a lot, and it and it helps keep our heart in check. But uh, this was a few months back. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but um, I think the kids had helped us clean up after at the end of the day before bed. They were putting all the toys away. And then we gave them a piece of candy as like a little, little prize for helping. Um, and then Stephanie handed Abby 
a candy, and then I was like, she's like, ooh, yay, holds it in her hand. And I was like, what do you say? And without missing a beat, she hands it back to Stephanie, and she goes, open it. <laughs> like, no, that's not what you say. Like, I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing? I was like, no, what, what do you say, Abby? She goes, oh, sorry, uh, please. And it's like, so, you know, needless to say, she doesn't quite have it down yet, um, this, this gratitude. They're, they're great kids, and they really are, I think, grateful for the most part, but um, they're still working on it. For the most part, they're great. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. They're not perfect. Um, but no, so, so thankfulness. As children of God, I think um, we shouldn't be just grateful, or we shouldn't focus on our gratitude just on a day or a little season, right? I think it's easy to be like, oh, Thanksgiving, it's a time of gratitude. And like, you'll focus on it here, but then the rest of the year, ignore it. But as Christians, as children of God, we should have thankfulness every day and every hour. So to highlight this point, we're going to be looking at the story of the 10 lepers found in Luke chapter 17. Uh, and, And there's some important truths concerning gratitude here. So we're going to start verse 11. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So God, I pray that you will uh, just reveal, God, just a truth to us this morning through your word. God, this, this uh, message that you gave me, God, and you challenged me with. God, I pray that it will uh, challenge each one of us. God, we know that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word endures forever. Lord, speak to us this morning. So, this passage of scripture, it's unique only to the book of Luke. Um, it doesn't, it's not talked about in any other gospels, but this story is not about Jesus's ability to cure leprosy. I mean, that's a point, but it's more about the, the attitude of the recipient, the attitude of the people that were cured, right? And this text shows us where the real cause of our thanksgiving lies. It's good to be thankful for material things, right? For, for physical blessings. But there's some things that are worth more than, than things you can buy, right? You can't pay for peace of mind. Right? What, what kind of monetary value could you put on good health, right? Some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but for real, you can't buy everything. You can't buy more time with a loved one. Uh, you can't buy joy. You can't even buy a good night's sleep. You could buy a better bed, which might help, but you can't really buy a good night's sleep, right? So looking at these first few verses, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance calling out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. These men 
were in an awful position, right? Luke here says that they stood at a distance. Other translations say that they, they stood far off. And, and I'm sure you might know, um, but, but for those who don't or haven't heard, leprosy or Hansen's disease was a chronic infectious disease. Uh, in the ancient world, it was difficult to diagnose, um, and it was even harder to cure. In Old Testament times, leprosy was generally regarded as a divine punishment, and the only cure was from God. Leviticus shows us how um, some, some rules around leprosy in Leviticus 13. It says, The leprous person who has this disease shall wear torn clothes and let, his hair, or let the hair on his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as this, this infection remains, he must live alone. They, they must live outside the camp or the town or wherever everyone else is. They need to be they're separated, basically, right? So the, the social consequences of leprosy, I think, were quite often a lot worse than the physical or, or the, the disease itself. Right? The lepers, they were separated, they were shut off, they were cast out. It seems here that these lepers, they were put in an area far away from everyone else. They were shut off from their families. Who knows how long it had been since they had been able to hug and kiss their wife and their kids, you know, visit with their parents. Who knows how long it had been since they had been able to see their friends. You know, friends didn't come over anymore. Friends didn't invite them to go hang out. They were shut out from the community of the church, and we notice here that Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, enters this village and meets the lepers. The religious crowd had no room for these men, but I think worse off, they were shut out from their father, from the father, sorry. Other illnesses had to be healed, but leprosy had to be cured or, or cleansed. Josephus, he's a Jewish historian, and he speaks of the banishment of, of lepers as those who are no different than a dead corpse. He refers to them as the living dead. Their entrance into a house contaminated it. They're, they're standing under a tree in the shade, uh, polluted anyone who walked underneath that tree. Leprosy, it, it defiled, it distanced, and it doomed all who were afflicted with it. And, and I think it's kind of a clear picture of sin and its effects on humanity, right? So, considering these men, their circumstance, they couldn't go to church, they couldn't be around their family, they couldn't be around friends, they couldn't be in social gatherings, they couldn't go to the synagogue. They had to stand at a distance of at least 12 cubits, which was roughly 16 feet. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of think about, you know, during covid we didn't really want to stand six feet apart, let alone 16 feet, right? And, it's, and for these lepers, it wasn't just for a couple weeks, a couple months, you know, a year or whatever. It was for forever. Forever, they were distanced from one another, from, from other people. Forever, they were isolated. Forever, they were on their own. They were away from anyone in town. They were outside the walls, living on their, on their own. So how in the world did these men know about Jesus? No family, no home, no social contact, no, no synagogue worship, no one to come around, no one to give them good news. How did they know about Jesus? You know, I think maybe they heard 
people t- as passing by talking about this man who was born blind, and then Jesus told, them to, told him to go and rinse off and wash off, and he came back seeing, and he was told, you know, by the religious leaders, you know, oh, don't give him any praise, he's a sinner, tell the truth, what really happened? And then he replies, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Right? Or maybe, maybe they heard about the woman with the issue of blood, right? And, and as she, she made her way through the crowd, and as she touched Jesus' clothes, and he stopped, the bleeding stopped. Or maybe they heard about Jairus and his daughter, who Jesus came into their house, and he took her by the hand, and as he lifted her up, she came back to life. Right? Maybe they heard about the man that was filled with demons from the Gerasenes, who, who with one conversation with Jesus, you know, he, he used to, he couldn't be held by chains, he would hit himself with stones and cut and bruise his skin, but by talking with Jesus, he, Jesus cast out all the demons into the pigs, and then people came to see what had happened, and he was, he was clothed, he was in his right mind. Maybe they had heard about when Jesus was teaching in the desert place, and they were far away from food, they, were, they, they couldn't get anything, but there was a little boy with two fish and five loaves, right? Yeah. And, and with that, Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. I don't know what they heard, but I know that they combined what they heard with what they believed. Yeah. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to get a master's in divinity. You don't have to be a second or third generation preacher you just have to combine what you hear with what you believe and allow Jesus to change your life. Amen. So here we have Jesus, their only way to the Father, and they stood at a distance from him. Sinners are not near to God. They're far away, right? And they cannot and they will not draw near to him on their own. Yeah, and again, these... These men in this, in this story, what kept them at this distance? It was the law, right? The law set rules. It had the, these regulations on these men. The law separated them. The law segregated them from everyone else. It shut them out. It, it set them these rules that they had to follow. The law said when you pass by one, they need to pass to the other side and cry out, unclean, unclean. Sin puts us in an awful position, and they were in this awful position. But I think they were also in an approachable position. Here these men are living these shut-out lives. But what I'm grateful for this morning is that where the law says man cannot go, Jesus goes. What what the law declares is off-limits, Jesus can barge in. Right When the law passes to the other side, Jesus will cross over and make it a point to make contact. Right, Listen, Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus cared about those that were hurting. Jesus cared about those that, that were lost, yeah. right? So Jesus makes it a point to reach out. He goes this way on purpose because even in the awful position that sin puts us in, Jesus is able to reach out and save us. Yeah. My family can't help me. My friends can't help me. Even the church can't help me, but Jesus can, Amen. right? It's only through Jesus And while we stand far off from him, he does not stand far off from us. When they couldn't get to Jesus, Jesus got to them. When they wouldn't come to Jesus, Jesus came to them. 
but they were all in the same position. Now looking at um, verse 13 and 14, it says, They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. All ten of them uttered that, that same prayer, Master, have mercy on us. And notice two things here. One, their observation, right? They all saw and they all sensed their need. They were all crying out for help. I, I don't think any of us are crying out for help if we don't think we need it, right? If you're like, oh, I got this. You're not going to be like, can you help me? I, oh, I, I can do it my own, on my own, but can you help me, right? Usually, as people, especially I feel like as men probably, um, we're more prone to that, like, I got this. But these, the, the reason sinners don't come to Christ is, I think, just that. They think they got it, right? They don't know their need. But the loneliness and the pain and the isolation from this disease was so evident to these men, to these ten lepers, that they knew they needed help. They knew that there was none to be found except maybe in this one called Jesus who they heard could heal the sick. There was no doubt that these men needed help, so they cried out for mercy. Next, we see that their, their obedience. And I believe that this prayer that they prayed uh, without their obedience, it would have been meaningless. Right? They, if they would have asked for help but they didn't listen to Jesus, it would have meant nothing. And notice something here. Jesus does not touch them. Right? Jesus doesn't, he doesn't promise them healing. He doesn't even acknowledge their request. It's kind of funny. He's just like, they're like, have mercy on us. He's like, go show yourself to the priest. Um, Jesus just orders them to go. And the command is kind of interesting because uh, going to the priest was the legal requirement for those who had already been healed. The priest had no power to cure, but he had the authority to declare someone as clean, right? To issue that, that certificate of cleanliness, if you will, uh, so that others knew that they were healed, that they were whole. But Jesus commands these men to act proleptically. I just learned that word. Um, don't think, like, oh, he's super smart. No. Um, uh, proleptically. Jesus commands them to act proleptically. Uh, pro- proleptic, I forget the singular. Uh, but it's the representation or assumption of a future act or development as if presently existing or accomplished. In other words, it means to live in the promise even though you don't already have it. Right? You know, I'm not going to wait till, till this battle is over before I praise. You know, I'm going to praise God even though I don't have that job yet. I'm going to praise God even though my kids don't know you yet and they're far from you. I'm going to praise you, God, even though my car is in the shop and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to praise you, God, proleptically. Hallelujah anyhow, right? God, even if you don't answer my prayer how I want or when I want, God, you are worthy of my praise and I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to exalt you. These men were not healed immediately. They were healed as they went and as they obeyed the command of the Lord. Verse 15 through 19, it ends it. It says, one of them when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God 
in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And I think here we get to kind of the the whole point of this, right? The, The key to this thing. This story doesn't imply that the nine who kept walking uh, uh, lacked faith, right? They, they all cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I believe that they all believed that he could heal them, yeah. right? The story doesn't imply that the other nine who kept walking also lacked obedience, because just like the Samaritan, they all went when Jesus commanded. Yeah. All of them were in the same awful position. They all prayed obeyed, and they were all healed. Their sin was not unfaithfulness. Their, their sin was not disobedience. I think their sin was ingratitude. Only one of the ten returned to offer thanksgiving. One of them, when, when he saw he was healed, he turned back. He saw a reason to praise. He saw the difference that Jesus had made in his life. He saw a, a, an opportunity to praise God. I think a lot of times people see their need to pray, but we don't see our need to praise, right? We, we, we see when we need help, but then we don't really want to cry out or, or lift God up and give him praise for what he's done. You know, I don't know what happened in this story, and, and we're not told, but, you know, maybe as they were walking, uh, this man, the, the one, you know, noticed this, the scaling white appearance on his skin disappearing as he was going to the priest. Or, or maybe they, he, they passed by someone and expected them to go to the other side and cry out, unclean, unclean, but it never happened. I don't know when he saw or when he noticed that he was healed, but when he did, he turned around and he made a beeline right to Jesus Christ, right? He had a reason to praise God. They all, they all had a reason to praise God, but only one saw it. They got a miracle, but they missed salvation. It means nothing to get a miracle if you miss Jesus. Here's the thing. Just like God woke you up this morning, he also wakes up a drug dealer, right? Or just like God woke you up this morning, he woke up your annoying neighbor who plays mariachi music outside your kid's bedroom at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Not a personal story or anything. <laughs> Just kidding. No, Matthew 5.45, it says he, he, he causes the sun to rise on the good and the evil. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Just because you get a miracle doesn't mean he's done with you. We need to be aware of all of our opportunities to praise. Right? Sometimes we get in situations, things come up that, that frustrate us, that, that are really testing us. For the past uh, probably month and a half, I don't know, um, my wife and I, we have a little Prius, and um, it's our family car. She and the kids take, yay, Prius. I don't know why we're clapping for that. It's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> yay, a Prius. No. Um, we don't drive in the fast lane, by the way, so it's not us. Um, 
But no, so the, the headlight has been going on and off. Uh, it was some sort of weird wiring issue, and like getting to it was pretty much you have to take apart the front, and it's not an easily fixable car uh, or e easy to work on. But anyway, um, so like we would drive and then hit a bump and it turns off and then like if you can hit another bump or try and hit something and then like it'll turn back on for a couple minutes or you could get out and like tap it on the side and turn it on but it was like it was an issue but we were like eh, it's fine like we'll deal with it later but then then like a week and a half ago I don't remember what day but it started making this really loud um, especially inside I think it was louder than outside but it was this grinding noise as we were driving it. And it's like, I'm like, what, what is going on? So like Steph, I, Stephanie, I had her drive by. I'm like looking at the brakes, trying to figure out, you know, I can do like minor stuff on a car. And especially if like there's an error code, I can plug in my, I have a little reader and it's like, oh, fix this. And it's like, cool, I'll do that. But this one was like, I have no idea. Yeah, everything looks fine to me. I mean, it looks like a car, um, but. <laughs> You know, we, we ended up having to call, we called the mechanic and then got an appointment and then, you know, we were praying that it was going to be something cheap, but then, you know, I feel like you don't get away from a mechanic for less than $1,000 these days and sure enough, warped rotors and bad wheel bearing assemblies and a couple other things and boom, here's an uncomfortable situation for us, right? Here is a thing that, you know, my wife and I were like, ah, how are we going to pay for this? Like, this is not... You know, something that we were expecting or wanting, especially when we're trying to save a little money for Christmas, for money, uh, gifts for the kids, and like, you know, we have this come up, and it's like, I could be frustrated and be like, God, why is this happening? Or I can praise Him, Amen. right? I can be thankful that, you know, this is frustrating, yes, but it could have been a lot worse. It could have been, my wife and kids could have been driving somewhere and, you know, the rotor could have broke off or, or I don't know, you know, something could have snapped and it could have caused them to have an accident. I am thankful for my family's health. I am thankful for their safety. I am thankful for a God who provides for us. And, and you know, he's always provided for us. You know, sometimes it's been in, you know, giving us little uh, opportunities to do a little extra work. Um, sometimes it's been like we bought something in the past and it's like, oh, I need that. And it's like, we'd never use it. And it's like, oh, well, I can sell that because we haven't touched it in three years, you know. Um, but, but sometimes it's been through people in this church. Um, people have, have helped my wife and I and given us anonymous gifts that usually we can't even say thank you, except for now, thank you, whoever helps um, but, but that's not the reason I bring this up. I'm not asking, I, as a matter of fact, I don't really want anyone to try and come and like, oh, they're here, basically a verbal GoFundMe. Um, that's not what this is about because I know God provides for us. God has shown again and again how he provides for us, how much he's done for us. You know, uh, I know that he cares about his children. I know he cares about me. And I know that even though we're not 100% sure how we're going to pay for all this, that we can praise God proleptically. Amen. Yeah. So where are the other nine? I have no doubt that after they were declared clean by the priest, that they made their way to see their family and their friends, to hug and kiss their wife and kids. 
to, to talk and visit with mom and dad and to visit with their friends. Their minds were so occupied by all that the blessing had brought to them, except for one. One loved his wife and kids just as much as the others. One wanted to hug and kiss his wife and kids just as much as the others, visit mom and visit dad and visit with his friends. One wanted to enjoy the blessings just as much as the others, but he had his priorities in order. He knew who was the object of his praise. He did, one didn't get so wrapped up in the blessing that he forgot the blesser. One put his friends and family and social opportunities and fellowship on hold so that he could worship the one who made being with him all possible. Amen. And notice in the scripture, it says that he cried out in a loud voice, yeah. right? With that same loudness and intensity that he cried for help, he worshiped God. He glorified God. I think many times we, were, we cry out loud for help, but quiet with praise. And if you aren't willing to give God thanks this morning, I think you don't recognize the giver of our gifts. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your your nice car. But who gave it to you, right? And you're like, oh, Timothy, but I go to work every day. I get up early. I go do all this. Who got you up in the morning, right? Who gave you good health? that you could go to work? Who gave you a right mind? Because we could just as easily wake up tomorrow and not know who we are, right? You could just as easily get some sort of sickness and then and be out with the same zeal that we seek him or that we seek help, we should praise him. And then notice right here, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and he was a Samaritan. That part's kind of funny, especially, and then he, Jesus, except this foreigner, right? It's like, why is that in there? Well, this man was not a Jew. He was not worthy of this healing. He was not worthy to receive God's help, but by grace, he was healed, and he came back to worship the one who unconditionally healed him, and I know he got more out of this than the others did. Sure, they, they received physical healing from a distance, But this one, not only did he receive physical healing, but he got close to God and and he worshiped him and he received spiritual healing as well. God might choose to physically heal a man from a distance, but spiritual healing comes only when we fall face down before the feet of Jesus Christ and worship him as our Lord and as our Savior. His faith did not save him, but it connected him with the one who could So um, I just want to challenge us this morning. Let's go ahead and actually let's stand up. But if it ever dawns on you how good God has been to you, I don't think there's anything that's going to be able to keep you quiet, right? If 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 it ever occurs to you how many doors God has opened for you, nothing was going to be able to is going to be able to hold you back right if we ever think about how many ways god has made for you how many prayers he has answered you answered for you how many how many tears that he has dried for you how many good things that he sent your way right how he's poured out blessings how he's opened up doors there wouldn't be enough time 
in our day to say thank you. So, so that's what we're going to do um, just to end is we're going to say thank you. Amen? Amen. Can you... You alone are good. You are worthy of our praise, God. So we just lift you up.